0: Prime Minister, doing it, doing it at 2pm or 4pm or 12pm or whatever time they make it, depending on the day. Did Gina's nose grow then? Was it just me? Thank you, my darling. Thank you very much. It's very kind. I'm just waiting for my, fog, my glasses to stop fogging up so I can see again. We will carry on. It's wonderful we can. You know, some church movements have had to go back online and that they're not getting to do church together. So we, uh, I know it's a little bit of getting used to if you're in the kauri room or here in the auditorium. Um, it's, we just feel that it was really, really important that we continue to meet together uh, no matter what. If we can find a way, we find a way to be together. I don't Watching online is nice for a minute. Um, but being together, e- even in two separate rooms under, under you know, um, different arrangements and that, it's still better to be together than, than at home watching on TV uh, where you don't have someone you can pat on the shoulder or pray for you in person and that. So it's wonderful to be together. So we, we really value you guys and uh, we really value coming together as Lane Park Church. And uh, it's uh, just another shout out to Mrs. Humphreys back there. Uh, so wonderful to see you. I introduced myself wrongly or rightly, I just threw it out there, but I introduced myself as Huddy version four um, this morning. I think it's probably about three or four, um, kind of down the track. So uh, hopefully I don't disappoint too badly um, with that. Uh We're going to do, normally about this time of year, we normally do a volunteer's thank-you lunch. Um, Obviously, with uh, separation and that, I don't want to do separate um, thank-you lunches, and that just seems weird to me. So we're going to leave it with me. I'll figure out a way. But if you volunteered this year uh, until I've organized something, would you just accept our thanks, our gratitude, our uh, honor for the fact that you... Church doesn't happen because we turn up. It happens because a whole bunch of people turn up and they do stuff through the week and they do stuff on Sundays and they go the second mile. Uh, So if you, uh, or how about we give our volunteers a clap. um. You know who you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you Uh, from Gina and I and the elders and everyone else uh we hope you get some rest over Christmas when it does get here right I want to speak this morning on uh, my message is my hill to die on my hill to die on you know often um it, it's it's a phrase that kind of gets bandied around and and it's a great it's a great um, way to kind of assess is, is what I'm Arguing for is what I'm obsessing over, is what I'm, you know, is allowing me to take up time in my brain. Is it worth dying on that hill? Is it really the end of of everything? So I've been kind of thinking about that uh, for some time now. What is my hill to die on? What matters to me? What do I value? Uh, And I just want to start. with the verses, as pretty much always, uh, Isaiah 42, it says, Here is my servant, the one I support. He is the one I have chosen, and I am very pleased with him. I have filled him with my spirit, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not grow weak or give up. Until he has brought justice to the world. I, the Lord, was right to call you. I will hold your hand and protect you. You will be a sign of my agreement with the people. You will be the light for the other nations. You will make the blind able to see. You will free those who are held captives. You will lead those who live in darkness out of their prison. Isn't that great? And we know that Jesus, when he stood one day in a synagogue and, and was asked to read out some scripture, asked for this reading from Isaiah, and he read it out uh, and and said, in front of you today, it is fulfilled. I'll pray. Father, I thank you for this exciting scripture that foretells Jesus coming into the world, Jesus coming to transform this world, to set this world free, to give us light, to give us hope, to give us love. I thank you, God, that Jesus is the way to set people free. Jesus is the one who brings sight to the blind, freedom to the captives, freedom to the, those in bondage. Father, and we pray that you speak to us today. Father, as we look at your word, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Has anyone here ever wondered what God is like? Just just a conversation starter, you know, nothing big, just, just something small, just to, you know, like how's the weather, how's the sun outside, you know. Has anyone ever thought about what God is actually like? Probably probably everyone on this world, even those who don't believe in God, probably you know at times have this little you know backslide of their kind of you know atheistic or agnostic kind of morality and and have this little moment where they wonder, I wonder what God's like. Oh, that's right, I don't believe in God. yes <laughs> You know, uh, it was Gina's uh, birthday this week and and I bought her some lavender flowers with pretty little. Pink uh, buds on them, and, and I don't—I'm not really a, a flower kind of guy. I mean, I do like them. I think they look really nice, but you know, I like peanuts and peanut slabs and chocolate and stuff like that. But Gina likes lavender. I know Gina likes lavender, so I bought them for her, and 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 that's why she told me I was so good looking because I bought her lavender flowers. You know, uh, she might have said something different if I hadn't. But I wonder if God likes love, lavender flowers. Do you think He does? How about I don't know? How about cute little puppy dogs? How about how about chameleons? How about hyenas and snakes and scorpions and great white sharks? Dun, dun, dun. You know, as I was, as I was kind of thinking about this, I, I was thinking, uh, I want I wonder if God does like great white sharks. Really does. You know, they don't do much for me. I I actually am in awe of great white sharks. Their power. You know, they're a picture of power, raw aggression, and that. But I but I wonder. You know, how does God feel about those things? And it kind of it just highlights the fact that there's so much in this world that we don't understand what page God's on. We don't understand God's thoughts or his ideas. And in fact, in the Bible, he says, my ways are above you, so far above you. We can't, we can't get onto the page, but it doesn't stop me from trying. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I know. At some point, I'm going to know because I'll be face to face with him and if I don't, you know, if, and I'll, I'll be able to ask him a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't know how many people I've heard say, I'm gonna ask God that question. Like, why did he do this? Why did he do that? You know, why did that happen that way? And as I think about it more, I think, well, how can I really know what God is like? And I, and I kind of alluded to this a few weeks back when I was speaking. And one of, one of the things that I am aware of that I can get a little snapshot, just a little bit. There's so much I will never, ever know about God this, on this side of eternity. But I can learn some stuff about God by looking at Jesus. Because Jesus, when he was on the earth, made a whole bunch of statements that basically said, if you look at me, you look at God. And when you look at God, you see me because we're one. We hang out. We're homies. We're tight. And so here's a couple of scriptures. So John 5, verse 19 and 20. But Jesus answered, I assure you that the son can do nothing alone. He does only what he sees his father doing. The son does the same things that the father does The father loves the son and shows him everything he does. So the father loves the son and shows him everything he does. So he's showing Jesus and Jesus is showing us. So we're learning about God. This man was healed, but the father will show the son greater things than this to do. Then you will be amazed. I love that. I love that. That really resonates with me. Then you will be amazed. Isn't that incredible? You know, Jesus is saying, hey, this is just the first scene. Wait till you see what's coming up. It's going to be incredible. John 10 verse 30 says, The Father and I are one. That was Jesus speaking again. John 14 verse 9 to 11. Jesus answered, Philip, I've been with you for a long time. You should know by now, anyone who has seen me has seen my Father too. So why do you say, "Show us your Father"? Why uh, show us the Father? Why don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The things I have told you do not come from me. The Father lives in me, and He is doing His own work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. Or believe me because of the miracles I have done. What Jesus is saying is I can't do miracles by myself, but for the power of God living in me, working it out through me. So, if you're not going to take my word for it, look at the power that's coming out. The blind that that see, the deaf that hear, the lame that walk, the uh, demon possessed—you know, uh, people who uh, were required to be bound by chains and couldn't and and would break the chains. If and but it, but suddenly sanity comes upon them when they encounter Jesus. If you don't believe what I say, believe. What I've done and I'm about to do. That's pretty cool, eh? I couldn't have said something cool like that. So the thing I realized is looking at Jesus is how we should live. When we look at Jesus, we find ways that we too can live because Jesus was an example to us. So let's look. Um, I love these first couple of um, pictures in the book of Matthew. Let's look at the first couple of things that Jesus did because I, it, there's so much lesson here. And the first one is, is Je- Jesus getting baptized. So um, in the book of Matthew chapter 13, it says, Jesus came uh, from Galilee to Jordan River. He came to John, that's John the Baptist, wanting John to baptize him. But John tried to stop him. John said, why do you come to me to be baptized? I should be baptized by you. But this is cool. Jesus answered, let it be this way for now. We should do whatever God says is right. Then John agreed. So Jesus was baptized, and as soon as he came up out of the water, the sky opened, and he saw God's Spirit coming down on him like a dove. A voice from heaven said, this is my son. It's very hard to sound like God, isn't it? This is my son, the one, who, the one I love. I am very pleased with him. So why did Jesus get baptised? The Bible indicates that he was perfect. He didn't need to get baptised. Anyone got any ideas? Father told him to. Good. I hadn't thought about that one, but yes, you're right. Based on what everything we've read so far, you did Right. Leading, setting example, leading others the way he wanted them to follow. Yep. So i put down three points and you'll agree with these, that all in those answers. One is surrender. He was surrendering his way to a higher authority, his father. The second one was obedience. He, you're right, God told him and he followed. He did what he was told. It's a good lesson for all of us, isn't it? Especially me. An example to follow is a third one. Jesus walked the path chosen for him in an act of surrender, obedience, and in his example to others. And it's interesting because God acknowledged it. And he said, this is my son, which speaks to identity. This is my son. He said, the one I love speaks of loving his son. So he has a son and he recognizes the fact that he loves him. And the last one, I am pleased with him. He was giving Jesus honor because Jesus was doing what he should have been doing. So, if we want to be recognized as God's sons and daughters, loved by God, well, there's nothing we can do to not be loved by God. It's just a switch that's on. God is loving and pleased with Him, with us. We do this stuff, we follow this example of Jesus. You know, it was foretold back in Isaiah 42 that Jesus would come and that he would do all this stuff. And here it's spoken of. And and I mean, that's about 740, 740 BC before Jesus, this was written. Here is my servant, the one I support. He is the one I have chosen. He is the one... Uh, that in whom I am pleased, or I am very pleased with him. I filled him with my spirit, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not grow weak or give up until he has brought justice to the world. I, the Lord, was right to call you. I will hold your hand and protect you. You will be a sign of my agreement with people, You will be the light for the other nations. You will make the blind to see. You will free those who are held captives. And you will lead those who live in darkness out of prison. Some of you are thinking you've already read this. Yes, I wanted you to remember this prophecy about Jesus. Because reading the Bible, where are the next edition? I joked about I'm, I'm the fourth edition of Hari. We're the next edition of Jesus. I, well, I don't know how many ways down the track, but, but Jesus trained up his disciples, and, and at the end of John, Jesus makes it very clear that after the disciples, others would be led to know to walk in the same footsteps. He's talking about us, we're the ones. We are the ones to lead people out of darkness. We are the ones to bring freedom into people's lives. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's a privilege, not a weight. Yeah. That's an honour that we have—that we get to be God's ambassadors on this world. Examples of Jesus living out. I can't believe that I'm—I'm I'm allowed to represent Jesus. It's like think about that for a second. We're allowed to represent Jesus. And, and, and as he said to his disciples, greater things than these you will do. We, if we take him at his word, and I think we probably should, it's probably wise, we can do more than he did. That's something to think about, isn't it? I'm not even going to try and explain that because I don't have my head around it myself. It'll be one of those late night can't think kind of t- thoughts that you, that you spend time pondering or sitting somewhere eating pistachio nuts and, and mulling it over with a nice cold drink of lemonade. Second example. And this is the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4. Jesus was led it by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Then Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. your God, to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. The angels came and attended him. What tricks do you think the devil used against Jesus then? What tricks did he use? And the first one is he waited until Jesus was hungry and tired and no doubt weary. And I was thinking, how often is it the same with us? He waits until we're tired, we're hungry, we're worn out, we're bothered. And then he bombards us with thoughts. Knowing that we're more, more likely because of our state. I thinking about COVID, the whole COVID thing. I mean, co- people are COVID fatigued. I'm sick to death. I, once we're through this thing, I hope they erase that word and we never hear the word COVID again. I don't know, call it something else. I'm sick of COVID, you know? Change it to a seven-letter word or beginning with P or something. I, I just don't want to hear COVID anymore. I'm over it, you know? I'm fatigued on the word COVID, yeah. How many feel like that? How many How many feel like they're sick to death of conversations about who's right or wrong, sick to death of, of even talking about how many cases have we got in the country or anything like that? I am so past it. Give me a bed, I'll go to sleep. The devil waited until Jesus was tired and hungry and weary. 40 days of no food, you're going to be pretty weary. Second thing he did, he attacked Jesus resilient reliance on his father to supply his needs so I've I've um, often read that uh, wrongly um, that it says if you're the son of God and I've often thought Jesus was attacking his identity as the son of God but when I was doing some reading about it it's they say that's not actually a correct interpretation it's actually uh, he God's um the devil is actually saying you're the son of god so do this so what he's actually doing is actually attacking the fact that jesus could rely on his father to supply all his needs he's actually saying you can you can fast track you can be self-centered and get what you want your own way but jesus resisted that didn't he he went back to the bible and he used The uh, scriptures to overcome the devil. And that's a real good model for us, isn't it? It's a really good thing for us to do. Read our word. So I've got some learning points, and they're really simple. I mean, today's word is not, um, it's a real basic kind of word, but I think we just need some solid, basic stuff that's not, you know, it's about the Bible and it's not distracted. so first learning point, we need to read our Bibles. If you stop reading your Bible, get back into your Bible. It will encourage you. I don't know how it works. I've, I've, I don't know how many times I've said this to you guys the last three years. I don't know what it does, but it does something in here I can't put, I can't explain in my head. It just does something. I feel better. I feel edified. I feel alive. I feel like I can get through when I can't. You know, this thing here is saying you can't get through. You can't do it. But this thing here is saying absolutely you can. Ignore your head. You can get through. No worries. Read your Bible. Second thing is rely on God over convenience. That's what Jesus was doing. He relied on God over the convenience. He could have turned, I mean, he could have done any kind of miracle he wanted and turned uh, baskets of rocks into bread and sat there and had a good old munch. But he was showing that he was there to rely on God. He was here to listen to the Father and do what he was told to do. And he was here to be that expression of the Father for us. And the third thing he did, was remain committed to the cause of Christ. Sorry, third thing we can do, remain committed to the cause of Christ, regardless of whatever we encounter. So I come back to my opening topic, which is my hell to die on. And my, you know what my hell to die on is? Is to live a life that is absolutely surrendered in every way, shape and form to God it doesn't get distracted by what the newspapers say. It doesn't get distracted by the bad news that's coming through. It doesn't get distracted by conspiracy theories or theories in the opposite. It it just doesn't get distracted by anything. It stays red hot or white hot focused on God and what he wants to achieve. In this world, and in our lives, and in others' lives, and that is my encouragement to you. Is consider the same. That 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 is a hell worth dying on, more than any other. How about I pray? Father, I thank you, God, that you are worth giving our lives to. And you are the answers of life. We can sit and ponder or we can sit and ponder with you. And, and, and I found and I know for um, probably most people here, it's better to ponder with you than ponder alone. And uh, we choose you today. We thank you that you brought a light into the world called Jesus that brought a light into our world through other people and we thank you that we get to be that light in the world to others also we thank you that you entrust yourself your messages and what you want to achieve to us that we are the key we are part of the solution and we love you thank you for that So we're now coming to communion. So what I was thinking was, having said all that, why don't we go get our communion, just come back to your seat. I've got a clip to play, just um, a really nice musical clip. A band can still come up. Um, Feel free to come on up um, because you can close um, after the clip. But it's a really, really nice communion song. And it's so nice that when it finishes, the media guy's going to play it again. Because I reckon any good song should be thrashed. What do you reckon? Like a bad, bad donkey. Yeah? So I'll pray for the emblems. So how about you come back to your seats. You just, we just take some time. Um, think about how we're sitting with God. How, how is God in our lives? How are we doing in that front? How are we doing with other people? Jesus said, remember me, you know, as he sat with his disciples and and gave them the emblems, the bread and wine, wine, uh, remember me. And I think Jesus, when they think about Jesus, they'd be thinking this guy who, who loved me when I wasn't worth loving, you know, this guy who found me when I had no value to be found. This, this guy who uh, brought me back to life when I died. This guy who, when I was a prostitute, came and restored me and gave me life, and life life beyond life, life and all its goodness. I think that's what they'd be thinking. How about we think about that? How about we also think about our relationships with others? How are we doing on that front? Are we getting angry or bitter or, you know, do we know people? and all that's going on at the moment is starting to get mess up this thing here, our heart. Spend some time. Just put it right with God. Forgive people who you have to forgive. You must forgive people. It's not an option. If you don't want to forgive, God will not forgive you. We don't have an option. We must unload. It's cancer to our soul to hang on to unforgiveness. You have to let it go. You have to find a way. Talk to someone, journey, whatever. We must find a way to forgive. So how about feel free to stand up, take communion, come back to your seat, take it in your own time.
1: I saw the sin from your soul. I'm your servant. I am. cry